Um, what's interesting about this lesson that I, I want to teach about is that um, it comes from my own experience. Um, it comes from just my findings and what I and what I am happy to share. I'm a sh I love to teach. I went to school for teaching, y'all know that. Um, and I love to share my knowledge with anyone who cares to listen. So Crystal, if you're like, man, I don't know what to do, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know what? I may have read a book about that. Let me think through that real quick. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. But um, I want to go ahead and thank you, Jessica. I think I already said that, but thank you for this opportunity. Um, and I just want to start us off in prayer. Is that okay? All right. Lord, just thank you for this time. Thank you that we have this, this body of ladies here today that are eager to hear what you have to, you have given me, Lord. I know this is given from me, from uh, you to me, and I know that you are showing me every day the gaps that I where I want to grow, where you're asking me to grow, and what you're asking, what you're needing from me, Lord. I pray that this enlighten my friends here today. I pray that uh, this motivate and inspire everyone to go dig deeper into your scriptures because it's a love that I have for you in doing that, God. It's so much, it, there's, it, there's so much more in the beauty of your words, of what you have for us, of what you've shared your life with us. Lord, I just pray that you continue to help us today to grow and learn and, and study your word. And um, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you may look at your notes now, I guess. Um, <clears throat> And I just kind of want to—I want to start off by saying, like, have you ever gone to a, a pocket study and or a ladies' conference or a conference in general, and you're like, man, that speaker, where did he get that? Like, I read the same word maybe two, three weeks ago, and I didn't get that revelation. Like, what is it about that you know study or about what what they did to get to that point to speak to us about? You know, and I, I get it. The Lord, or, the Lord gives revelation to those that seek it. You know, it says, search for wisdom. You'll find it. And then knowledge and understanding will follow. I, I understand that. But there's still something there. Like, how do you get to that level of study to be able to teach it? You ever want to know? I do. All the time. And I may be the only one, and that's crazy. But that's okay. So today, what I want to teach you or show you in my own journey is a, uh, a walk of how to study the Word of God. And not just study, but like practical methods that you can take home today and apply to your own study. Right. Like what I have learned in my own journey of studying God's Word. So <clears throat> why do we study? And I, I gave you the definition of study, and you can see it in your notes. It means the devotion of time and attention to acquiring knowledge on an academic subject, especially by means of a book. The Lord gave us a book. Who knew? You know what book that is? The Bible. The Bible, yeah. He gave us the Bible, his words, his beauty, his everything. He gave it to us. So <clears throat> why does the word say, oh, sorry, not why, what does the word say about study? Why is it important? It's because it's our weapon, right? We, we utilize our weapon. In Ephesians, it says, put on the salvation of your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we can take it and apply it as our weapon. And it also sharpens us. 
Not only are we to sharpen each other, but the, God sharpens us. Every time we go to the word, it is sharpening that sword and getting ready to be prepared for whatever we have in life. Um, it keeps, and I know in my, in, my, in my notes I put sustains, but it keeps and maintains. He increases in us as we decrease. And I have here in Acts um, chapter 17, that very night the believers went, sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. So they searched it, they found it, and it's keeping them. And it, you would see it throughout the Bible that the word has sustained people, has keep, kept them and maintained them. And <clears throat> it equips and instructs us. And I found this here in 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, verse 10 through 17. And I'll read it all because I thought it, was, it applied as a whole. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. This is 2 Timothy 3.12. 3.10. Sorry. 3.10, 3.17. Sorry, I should have put those on there. My bad. Um, so, 3.10.17. No, I want you to get this, so I'm going to stop. It's good. It's good. Um, let's see where we're at. You know all about, this is Paul telling Timothy, you know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil, God, evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and, have given, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And this is one of my favorites. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. There it is, clearly stated. Paul telling his, his, uh, his, mentor, his little mentee, Timothy, use the word. It equips us. It strengthens and motivates us. And here we find in Joshua, our favorite, one of our favorite lines. Be strong, Joshua 1, 7. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my commandment. It is a commandment, guys. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, work hard. This is uh, in a different translation, but it's the study to be, to show yourself approved. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, 
and who correctly explains the word of truth. It's not only about um, speaking God's word or a, a, a verse here or there. It's correctly applying that scripture. So I'm going to give you a brief background as to where I'm coming from with this. Um, in 2012, I got baptized and received the Holy Ghost. I walked through a search for truth study, and I had that initial revelation of God and his oneness of, and his beauty. So then, you know, I, my, my growth in the Lord has been very organic. It's been very, um, if I were to show a chart, it's been kind of like here, here. Here, 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 and it, you know, but there's a steady increase, focus on the going up. So, one of the challenges that I faced shortly after that was prayer and studying. First of all, prayer. I know we all can relate to that. How do we even pray? I stunk at prayer. I mean, I stunk at prayer. Like, I couldn't even pray with my littles. Like, and I knew that was a that I knew that wasn't right. I knew that if I couldn't pray out loud, there was something lacking in my life. If I couldn't put words in my mouth and, and speak to the Lord in prayer, there was something wrong with my walk with God. Now, this is what I found for myself. I, I'm a teacher. I, I went to school, and they gave me a lot of tools to be in school, like to use for my teaching abilities or whatever. There are so many books on prayer, guys. So many books on prayer. Go search, find. And not only, like, I'm not saying go out to the world. In the UPCI, there are so many books of prayer. There are so many. And they are all so good. And they all kind of give you a good, I'm not telling you to take what they said and do it, apply it step by step. I'm telling you, take it glean from it, look at it, and move, and, and do it, and go put it into action. They are practical methods that they've given us. So when I started doing that, oh my gosh, <laughs> I cannot begin to tell you what opened up in my life. And here I am today, sustained by my prayer life, like my prayer life. Today, like, I, I just, I'm so just thankful for that because I don't know where I would be. I would probably be in my bed with the shades down. That's probably where I'd be. So I knew that I had that in prayer, but I didn't have it in studying. I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was so in awe with my mother-in-law and I'm so thankful that she's in my life and that she's been such a example that I can just see and witness and not just say that she says it or say that she lives it, but she actually lives it. And I just, I just began to like observe her and her patterns and what she does. And I'm not like my mother-in-law. I cannot study like her. She studies for hours a day. That is not my lifestyle. I have life. I have kids. I have everything. So I began to look around. I did the same thing that I did for prayer. I began to look around and look for study patterns or study ways. And I, I applied what I learned in school. Okay. What, what, how can I study? What, okay, what am I? What kind of study? What kind of learner am I? Okay, okay, I, okay, I need a quiet space. Okay, I need a place to, to, to go every day. I'm routine based. Okay, okay, I started self observing. I started observing myself. And then I landed on some, unfortunately, and maybe fortunately, outside of our organization resources. And that's okay. 
Because God gives us discernment to flush right. out what is not and flush out what we can what we can take. And I really feel this has completely molded me as to the person I am today. And he's and it's gonna continue to grow because I may deviate from this later on in life. But at this point in my life I needed practical methods. So I found ways to do to incorporate that and study and um, do these habits and dig through the word and I have been enlightened to a new level. I can't even begin to tell you that. And um, I my father-in-law quotes this all the time and he said and it's Hosea 4:6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge mm. because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to see to, to me seeing thou hast forgot for, forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forgive thy children. So God wants us to use the, what we have. We're not living in this day for any reason. We're not living in the day of Google for no reason. We're, I mean, there, there are resources, and there's no reason why. Right. We could go on our phone and be like, what is the definition of study? Oh, crap. I didn't think that was what I thought I was. <laughs> you know, like basic, and I'm sorry I said that word, but basic, basic like definitions today have been so misinterpreted, changed. Our minds think they mean something when they don't. And I have been guilty of that all the time and misusing words. Oh my land, don't get me started on that. Okay, so through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. There are riches and valuables in the word of God that we are probably missing out on. I know I have been and I've been like, where has this been on my life? So where do we even begin? Well, let me tell you. It's kind of like when you are getting ready to meet somebody or get married to somebody. You get to know them. You get to know the Word of God. You work hard to know them, right? You to make any point. Naomi, I love you so much, I'll make any effort to come see you. Any, because that's how much I love you. I love you, Crystal, so much, I'm going to make it a point to come talk to you. And make it a point to say, hey, how are you doing? You know? What kind of relationship are we in with God today that we can't put time in our calendars to spend with him? So in a relationship, you, and I'm going to go off my notes here because my notes are better written than I am with that. Um, it takes time, effort, and hard work, right? Discipline. You have to condition yourself in that way to run a marathon. You can't just willy-nilly go run a marathon. If it's 13.1 miles, or half marathon. Right. I don't run marathons, so the other one is like 28 miles, 26, I don't know. <laughs> so like 13.1 half marathon. I can't do that just today. I'm going to die. So when we take that time and establish those patterns, we, come, we begin our journey to not just prayer, but to studying God's Word. So one of the things I have found is that I love a cozy corner. I love a cozy place in my house, even to pray. I mean, I'm sure you all have your own little mm -hmm. prayer spots. I cannot pray in bed. Do not. I, I cannot pray in bed. You know why? Because I go to sleep. <laughs> I, I can't. Because I will not. I, I just, my, I got a brand new bed. It's so nice and cozy. It's a Tempur-Pedic. And I'm just like, no, can't do it. No. 
So I have found that I love a cozy place. My basement's cozy. I love that fireplace. That's why I mentioned that because I love looking at it. It reminds me of a, of a new transition in life, a new change, and it's nice and warm. I hate being cold. So then, okay, I have found my spot. I gather all my things that I need, and I leave them there if I, if I can. If you have kids, you know what to do. Box them up, put them away, because everything will fall on it. Um, and then I just, I, you, it's the same with prayer. I put on a timer, and I tell, okay, God, I'm going to dedicate these 15, 20, 30 minutes to fully study your word, to fully engage in what you're trying to do, what you're trying to tell me, and to apply it. Apply what I learned yesterday to what I, to today, and keep, and build on, on those blocks. Um, set timers. You know the basics. Set timers. Set your phone on do not disturb. You know those things. Just, you just have to kind of do them. You have to make a decision to do them. So learn. One thing that I realized really quickly was that I kept saying, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. I task you to go home, write down your schedule, everything you did this week. I mean, hour to hour. And then find yourself where maybe you thought you didn't have time, you had time. Because I like to surf Instagram and I like to send silly videos to my friends <laughs> and see, man, that cat, did you see how that cat danced? Because my brain didn't want to go study, I guess. I just wanted to. And that's okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But there should be a balance. There should be a balance of it all. Um, get an understanding for the type of learner you are. Uh, you can be any. You can be all of these, uh, a form of all of these, or you can. Uh, there's some that you can be more of than others. Um, so I wrote them out, and you can go home and kind of look at that. Uh, there, there's a visual learner, an auditory learner, which visual, you know, visual eyes, auditory, listening, read, write. You read it and you write. It's pretty um, plain there. And then kinesthetic. Kinesthetic is the one I'm not. It's the one that needs to like. All right, uh, the word is uh, a light to my path, a lamp to my feet, and I say it backwards. Oh, man, see, because I'm, I'm walking. I'm not that learner because I can't think. But there are people that need to walk. There are people that need to move. There are people that need that kind of movement to go escape them so they can focus. I liken that to, my, to memorizing. Some of my kids, Layla, she needs a fidget spinner when she mm -hmm. memorizes right now because that fidget spinner, she wants to move so much, but she can, she can allow her body to move. Well, think of memorizing verse. Right. I don't do that, but she does. So there are those learners, and the kids are that's more kid-type learners, but as you grow, you kind of know what you need. So you can go and look at those and see how you are. I don't have a test. Like It would be fun to have an Enneagram test for these type of learners. Mm. I thought about you when I said that. <laughs> to see what kind of learner am I. You can be a, a mixture of those. So don't, and then don't settle for failure. Don't settle. It's okay. It's okay to fail. I'll say that again. It is okay to fail. It is okay to trip up. It's okay to miss a day. It's okay to miss um, an, a, your time in prayer. What's not okay is that one time become two. That two time become seven days of the week. That seven days of the week become 52 weeks, 365 days. That's when it's not okay. Because what happens is we just read it. There are trials. There are things coming at you. We are not, we are not going to escape that. This is this world that we live in, and we just have to face it, and we have to face it strong with what God has given us. And if we are lacking, and we'll go into that, if we are lacking, 
we're going to face it in the way that in the way that we kind of face it in an ugly, in that ugly way, and we're going to walk through that in a minute. So my last bit on this, on how to begin, is to celebrate your wins. And that is, this is not my, this is, this is actually something I just started incorporating in my own journey um, to uh, getting out of the negative of my life. <laughs> I like to shame myself sometimes. That's something that everyone kind of walks through too. And in shaming myself, I find guilt, unnecessary guilt. And in that unnecessary guilt, I find that I'm condemning myself. So don't do that. We have to change that thought pattern. We have to stop it. And one way that I recently um, discovered through walking in this loss that I've just uh, recently done, been through is I need to celebrate the wins. And by celebrating the wins is you, um, you set up, you found your study corner and you set it up. Go celebrate it. You like a piece of candy? Have that piece of candy. I don't care what you do, how to celebrate it. Don't go off and buy you a $1,000 Louis Vuitton. Don't go do that. Can you see where my brain's at? I really want one. Don't do that. But, like, do things that you love. Get you a cup of coffee. I've made a study corner. Because what happens when you start celebrating your attempt to stay there for 10 minutes? You start cementing. I'm going to read this. You start cementing those positive brain waves. And then when you do that, there will be more of those positive brainwaves because you're going to have that foundation. And then you will be more motivated to do it. That's why we celebrate our tiny wins. So, please do it. Find a way to do it. And I promise you, it's life-changing. It has changed my life. 100%. I cannot, I cannot even go into that in full detail today. So... As you can see, I'm going to move into my recipe to the bread of life. I know it's a cheesy title, but it wasn't my title. It's my friends. It's who I hang out with. They told me that was a good one. So it's a recipe to the bread of life. Who wants a recipe to the bread of life? I do. I want good bread of life, and I want the Lord. I want him so much. So what, how do we do that? What do we do when we get a recipe? I know everybody knows what a recipe is. Now, I don't cook, so I'm not getting into the cooking part. <laughs> But I know what a recipe is, and I know how to follow one. I'm sure you all know how to follow one, right? I'm sure you've made one before. So what do you do? You look at your recipe, and you find the food. You go to find what you need, right? So you go to the shelves, either at Walmart, wherever you choose to go. You go to the shelves, you survey them, or your pantry. Maybe you like to be a bulk shopper, and you already have them in your shelf. I'm not that type, but you could go to your pantry, and you look, and what do I have to, that I can cook today? A good meal. So... One of the ways that we survey our shelves is, and I'm going to go through it pretty quickly because I have a lot to tell you, um, is getting to know the different books of the Bible. Did you know there are 66 books of the Bible? <laughs> you know when I found that out? When I started studying Search for Truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's sad for me. I'm not shaving myself. It's just, I, I, that can't be the place. But it is a growth, okay? There are 66 words, uh, books of the Bible. And do you know how they break up? Say it again. Do you know how they break up? The books, how they break up? So, I'll tell you. Uh, they break up in the books of history. You know? This, I, I have it written out a little bit differently. I know Search for Truth says the first books of history are, like, the first five. Um, but I have it more in, like, an overarching history. 
So um, I'm going more of the literary, the way they, they split up in genres by their liter the way they read. So the books of history I have is Genesis and Esther. Genesis through Esther is your history. It's it's an, a narrative about God and his communicating and, and him communicating the word of God in that grand story. Right? God's creation, the, the, the Bible truths of everything we live and stand by with the Bible heroes that we follow. Right? And then the books of poetry. Did you know there are books of poetry? Yeah, I found that out too. Job and the Song of Solomon. And did you know they break up in, in poetry form? They're poetic. Oh, what's the word? I wanted to sound smart, but I don't sound smart right now. And there is a word where the two lines, um, each, when, when, you read, when you read the poetry, the two lines are connected, and then the next two lines are connected. They're not all, and they form this, poet, this, this line of poetry. I will find it and tell you when I, find, when I think about it. But anyway, long story short, they are a collection of books um, that are sometimes called wisdom literature because, you, because they were written to impart God's wisdom to those who believe and obey God's word. Proverbs explains the, and, and extols wise behavior in the eyes of the Lord. So that is the poetry, the poetry section of the word. Um, the books of prophecy. The, the, the prophets, Isaiah through Malachi. And I know um, it was Brother Paul touched on it just briefly, and I'll touch on it too. There are five major prophets and 12 minor prophets. I thought that was interesting when I found out. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, but why? It's because of the length of time that they lived in. There's no science there. <laughs> I wish there was something fun about that. But God chose them in that way, and we can break them up that way. So um, that's just the Old Testament. The New Testament, we've got the Gospels, right? What does Gospel mean? The good news. It talks about Jesus. It talks about the Messiah coming into our lives and on this earth. Um, then you have a book, one book of history, which is Acts, right? The new church. It walks us through how that was formed and how that came to be. And it's the book that we established one of our big core foundation columns on. And then you have the letters, right? The letters are the, they're made up of um, letters written by several of Jesus's followers who were inspired by the Holy Ghost to record reliable truths to live by. So they were for each of the churches, right? That lived in those, in those locations, per se, or the people. And then last but not least, a book of prophecy, which is the one that we're living in these days, is Revelation. Mm -hmm. Was anybody ever scared to read Revelation? Yeah. <laughs> My parents taught me that Revelation, we do not touch that book. You know oh, why? Wow. Because it is scary. Yeah. It is scary. It is. It is. It yeah. is. But we should read the book. Absolutely. Don't listen. <laughs> Don't listen to, uh, I, I say that because sometimes even people who we admire and appreciate and love so much, can be can misguide us a little bit yes. you know and that that's okay but it's understanding which is why we have to dig into the word because we have not only uh voices of our culture voices of everyone else but our own in our circle in our home speaking to our children and we have to be able to impart what we know to them too because they're going to walk in it too okay so 
When it comes to cooking, it's not enough to read about it or watch it or watch somebody else do it. You have to actually get in the kitchen, right? Which is funny because I don't like to get in the kitchen, but I do in the sense of the word. But I love to actually sit on the bar and watch my husband cook. And and I like I realize I like to watch him study and I like to watch him actually teach on the word of God. I was like, I haven't seen that side of you. It's nice. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, but we have to roll up our sleeves and think about how much you uh, we will enjoy fixing our own meal and then give our best effort. The same is true when it comes to studying the word of God. Because we're giving our best effort to every, I know every single one of you, at least touch someone outside of church. And I say touch, I should, probably should not say connect. Connect with someone outside of church. And when we take what we've learned and apply it to our lives and then impart it to someone else's life, that is way more than them coming to church, let me tell you. And way more. And it's, and it's so rewarding when you bring it back to God and you say, Lord, I can't believe you did that through me today. Yes. Anyway, so consider true nourishment. We all know our body, right? Our natural body. Um, No one can deny the importance of bodily nutrition, right? You need nutrition. You need water. You need food. You need all the things. Our energy levels, our ability to cope with life's challenges, and even our mental attitudes are directly linked to the intake of the right foods eaten regularly and in proper amounts. We all know what it's like to eat an unbalanced diet or consume too many sweets or choke down too much too quickly or even skip a meal altogether. I raise my hand on that one because I do it and I won't even describe how much I do that sometimes, not intentionally. We endure any number of consequences as a result. We feel sick. We feel lightheaded, right? Uh, we may even feel irritated. Oh, Lord, here, goes the, here comes the, hum- the hangry. Edgy, and you know what? Sometimes even depressed. Yes. And then if you get too much of it or maybe too little of it, you get a little shaky and you get the jitters. This is the body's way of letting us know that it's lacking sufficient nourishment. Optimal health requires optimal nutrition. So let's liken this to our spiritual bodies. What does that do for us? The same is true when it comes to spiritual matters. Without sufficient and regular biblical nutrition, our inner lives begin to suffer the consequences. Our souls long to be fed. That is true. Nourished and energized by the scriptures on a regular basis. When we fail to set aside time to digest healthy spiritual food, it isn't long before consequences start to kick in, right? I'm sure that's not a pretty sight. Oh, my thing just went weird. That's not a pretty sight. That's when we start to operate in the flesh, right? And rather than under the control of God's spirit, we become shallow, selfish, nose ring a bell, more demanding, less gentle. I am convicting myself left and right. We react impatiently, rashly, and angrily, and these are all tall tale signs of inner malnutrition. Just like outwardly, inwardly too. And we spew that. Can you imagine? Oh man, I've had my repentance sessions a lot. So, but how do we get deeper satisfaction? You know, how do we do that? So, 
Fast food can satisfy your hunger momentarily, but provide no nutrition whatsoever. You know, cheeseburger can stay in your system for I don't know how many long. But they say a bubble gum, a piece of gum can like, it'll take like seven years for it to flush out. I know that's fake, but you know, you know that's fake. <laughs> yeah, so like nowadays we're scarfing it down in the car before our next destination, right? Drive through? Yes, we are drive through junkies. Almost gone are the days of planning and cooking a balanced meal, sadly. Spiritual fast food is the same problem. A quick glance at a verse or two on the way out the door doesn't give us long-term growth or satisfaction, right? Our spiritual food needs to be careful, carefully prepared so it will sustain us and refresh us and satisfy us to the deepest parts of our souls. Yeah, it takes time to do that. Psalm 63 says, Psalm 63, 1, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. And that is 100% true in today's world. There is no water anywhere else except the source of life. And what do we do when we, can't, when we don't go to the actual source? We go to another one. We are fed somewhere else. And then it starts to impart into our lives. And that's called indoctrination of something other than the Lord. So spiritual shallowness, I found this to be really interesting. Um, A.W. Towser, an American Christian writer, states, May not the inadequacy of much of our spiritual experience be traced back to our habit of skipping through the corridors of the kingdom like children through the marketplace, chattering about everything, but pausing to learn the true value of nothing. We can go around walking and talking and living and eating and come to church and everything else, but we could learn nothing. That's like really hard to take in sometimes. And it has to be intentionality of our lives. Like we have to live intentionally. So have you been around people who skim along the surface of faith? I have. God doesn't want us to merely scratch the surface of life and sure of the why we're feeling so empty. He longs for us to dig deeper so we can find out what God may be saying to us in the middle of our busy lives. The world offers so much in a way of distraction and entertainment, often to the point that we become numb to our need for soul nourishment. So all of this, I'm prepping you for the goods. I promise I'm getting somewhere. So we're going to get, get in getting wisdom. We're going to recognize the importance of feeding ourselves the spiritual food. We should next consider what we must eat. Like, how do we even begin? What, where do we start when we open these 66 books? prayer <laughs> that's what i think i don't have the answer to that i think the lord will guide and direct every single one of you if you ask him and with all your heart lord what should i learn what do i need to learn today he's going to show you he's going to show you so to help us do that let's return to the old testament and examine the, the wisdom of subject so or the, the wisdom i said that backwards the examine the subject of wisdom According to scripture, Solomon was so wise that people came from all around the world to glean his wisdom. There's no, no course for getting wisdom. Did you know that? <laughs> I knew that. I found that really quick. Where is wisdom? It's in the word. <laughs> but it says that it comes from God. Discernment isn't the result of completing a course. Actually, some people will, with great knowledge have very little wisdom. Mm -hmm. I see That's that. Yeah. Ideally, wisdom should pass from parent to child, from grandparent to parent, to grandchild to grandchild, 
Wisdom should be a family heritage that is passed down as the older generation shares their life experiences with the younger generation. So, you know where we see this example of? In the book of Proverbs. I cannot get away from the book of Proverbs. Oh, my word. I've been in it for the past two years. Like, Lord, what are you telling me? I know I prayed for wisdom, but I didn't know I was going to stay in this book for two years. <laughs> the kids are learning the book of wisdom right now. The Proverbs. Mm. That is, their, that is their Bible quizzing of the year, is Proverbs. And one of the things, one of the things I keep seeing, and it's a pattern in life, is you will see that, for instance, in verse one, one verse of Proverbs 1.8 says, My child, listen. Proverbs 1.10, my child, if. Proverbs 1.15, my child, don't. So Solomon is, in, Solomon is imparting this to his children, to his child, to us. My child, my child, it's generational. I have to teach my children not to touch the fire because the fire will burn them. We have to teach what we know. Like we cannot stay with it bottled up. If we bottle it up, I, I, I don't know. You, I, I don't know where it goes because I can't, I can't live bottled up like that. I have to share it. And if I don't share it, it's going to be like, I'm going to spew it to Crystal when I see her and I say hi at the next uh, church meet and greet. Crystal, let me tell you what I thought. <laughs> like you, 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 you want to naturally. You're going to want to naturally. True wisdom, wisdom isn't something that comes from within us. It comes from God, and it's sharing God's love. Um, Proverbs two verse six says, "For the Lord grants wisdom." That's who gives us wisdom is the Lord. For his uh, for his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So wisdom comes first, and then comes knowledge, and then understanding. He helps us through this. Wisdom is the source in God alone. And then you can add this to your prayer list if you'd like. This is what I, I pray. I need wisdom, Lord, for this situation. Give me wisdom as I face the situation. Teach me wisdom in the midst of, of this meeting or test. Give me wisdom as I make that, this important decision. This should be in, built into our prayers. And where, does, where is wisdom? Wisdom comes from God. God gave us the word. If, if I pray, give me wisdom, and I never open the word, am I going to get wisdom? Probably not. No. No. Because I used to pray those prayers. I'm like, Lord, give me wisdom. I'm not wise. <laughs> and I didn't, open the, I didn't open Proverbs or the word in general and be like, oh. You know? So why nourishment is important. We all know that. I've, I've talked through that already, so I'll hit the points really quickly. A reason faith has substance. It gives you substance, right? It stabilizes us during times of testing. Because Lord knows we're going to need it. Enables us to handle the Bible carefully and accurately. Equips us to detect and confront error. Makes us confident. And then it filters out all of our fears. Because there's a lot of fears. I walk in fears daily. And I have to be in the Word. Have to be in the Word. And in, in this prayerful life. Before beginning the preparation of a good, healthy meal, think through what will be served and how nourishment will be. Uh, nourishing it will be. So in this next, um, in your next prayer, I, I charge you with asking God where He wants you to grow. Ask Him. God, where do, where do you want me to grow today? What do I need to grow in? You'll be surprised what comes next after you start digging in. 
We're all, we all have gaps. I have gaps. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And we should be that way. We must be that way. So here we go. We're going to prepare the meal now. We've got all of our nutrition, our ingredients, or, and then we're going to move to choosing um, how, or the recipe. So we, we see the shelf. We've got all these things. We know we have them. And now I have to figure out how I'm going to cook this. What am I going to make? Okay. Uh, any chef will tell you that there's a right or wrong way to prepare a meal. Everybody has an opinion. That's okay. And this is all my opinion. You, don't, you can take it for face value if you want. You can take it and mold it and make it your own. I am completely fine with that. This is why I'm here. I'm just here to give you what I know and then you do what you need to do to make it your own. So um, while there is always room for creative style and flavor preferences, there are definite procedures used to combine all the ingredients into something delicious. The recipe is the key. Good recipes are essential for consistently turning out good meals. And we all know that because we were talking about this with Pinterest. I stink at finding Pinterest recipes. They come out so wrong, so terrible. I don't know. Maybe it's the way I search. I don't know. But it is important to find a good recipe because if you don't, your meal's ruined. Right. right? And I've seen recipes that say two tablespoons and I use two cups or whatever. I misread it. Like, we can misread, misinterpret the recipe. But that's for a later time. Okay. So before digging into the word, it's important to consider the conditions of our heart. Right? We have to have a clean spirit. We have to have personal integrity. We have to have a willingness. Passion. We have to be passionate about loving God. And we have to have time. We talked about that. So how, uh, what, what do we need also for studying God's word? Y'all are going to laugh because you need a Bible. <laughs> you need a Bible. And it's okay to have multiple Bibles. We talked about this, Kelly. I know, we were, I was laughing as you were talking about your Bible. And it's okay to have a Bible in the version you can read. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't read your Bible, you're not reading the Bible. Right. If you can't understand, she has a student Bible, in case y'all were wondering. We talked about this earlier. It's pretty funny. And she's kept it for years. So here, I have, I have an apostolic study Bible. If you don't have one, put it on your wish list for Christmas, something. Oh, my word. The footnotes down at the bottom, the beginnings of every chapter, of every book. Oh, there's so many good things that will help you that you can kind of get gleaned from. Just that one little Bible. Um, it's not bit little, but it's big. But um, I also love to read in the Amplified Version mm -hmm. because I love the extra words. Yeah. I need extra words sometimes. I love to um, read the NLT, the New Living Translation, mm -hmm. because sometimes it puts it in a it puts it in a form that you're like, wow, okay, I can I can see it in that light, okay, a different perspective maybe. And um, ESV, Sister Lisa, we were talking about this, the English Standard Version, mm -hmm. that's a good one too. It's simple English. Um, that's kind of the one I typically gravitate towards, um, just on my daily daily reading. And then, um, whatever version though, find one that you can understand. Do it, I promise. That's where you can begin. And then there's uh, the next thing that'll help you is a dictionary. We talked about that. Sometimes we think words mean something and they don't. And um, there's actually, I, I didn't find this out till like a little while ago, but there's a Bible dictionary. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So we love to look up definitions. Sometimes our mind gets wrapped up in thinking a word means one thing, but in reality it means something totally different. Um, a Bible dictionary will identify places and names in the Bible and explain words that may be unfamiliar in our modern day text. So if you need a, a Bible dictionary, there's some really good online ones. You can chat with me. I can kind of show you. Um, they are wonderful resources. Um, a concordance. This one I didn't know, guys, until I started Bible quizzing with the kids. It is so good. If you don't know, I'll tell you what it is. It's an alphabetical listing of all the words in the Bible, even all the A's and the V's and the N's and the thou's, all of them. You don't want to get into that. I don't get into that. That's too much. It can be overwhelming. But if you want to find a certain word, you can look it up in the concordance. And you'll see a list of it of every time it appears in the Bible. So you'll start seeing themes. You'll be like, so study. It's in the it's there's themes here. There are themes. And you'll start to say, Oh Lord, what am I what okay, that's where prayer is connected with studying. Lord, what what are you trying to show me today? What am I to learn today? Okay. And then um what I think is interesting is if we highly encourage senior Bible quizzers to, look, to use it and we equip them to go out into the world to teach, why are we not using this? Like, why? You know, like, whoa. Like, I was like, man, I am not, uh, what is it when you um, tell people what to do but you're not doing it yourself? Y'all know, know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So last, another tool you could probably use is biblical maps. That helps a lot. While studying, you can find that you will want to familiarize yourself with the, geogra the, the geographical location of the story so you can understand the context a little bit. And um, some places mentioned in scripture have similar names. A map will help you find the locations, and the Bible dictionary will explain how these places differ. So maps are actually pretty neat. I can't read a map. I stink at reading maps. I'm still there. So if you want to have a map reading course, I'm all game for it because I'm just not there. But I do like to see how far people like have to walk. Distance. Like right now, I'm studying Mary, so Mary's distance of being pregnant and all that mm. stuff. So you know, lots of stuff there. Okay, this is the method I want to get into the nitty gritty, and I may end up skipping down to it because I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so the Bible study method that I have found has really helped um, is. Uh, the observation of the, of the word, the interpretation of the word, the correlation of the word, and last but not least, the application of the word. Um, so one of the things that uh, helps us chew and swallow the scriptures a little bit is by hearing. Hearing what God's word says is the simplest, most common way to learn the Bible. It's also the least interactive method of, scrap, of grasping the truth. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Romans 10, 17. We begin to grasp scriptures as we hear God's written message. But that doesn't mean we know we, learn, we know and live it and breathe it that way. Mm -hmm. Reading. Reading is simple. We read it. The Bible is not a conglomeration of mysterious and convoluted words strung together. It's a book filled with sentences. You can read. Did you know that? We can read these sentences. I struggled with that when I was early, uh, early in my infant stage of walking in this truth. I was so scared to even open my Bible because I was like, what if I can't read it? Right. Or understand it. <laughs> or understand. Right. That's a different, but like, yeah. actually, like, 
because I had a King James one, and I'm like, mm. thou? Like, I don't even know what thou is. So get, get something that you can read. And from these, those sentences and paragraphs, you can learn how to live differently than you lived before. You can be stabilized when you get the bad report, endure a bad situation without getting bitter or scarred by painful decisions. The Bible will strengthen you because you have been hearing it and reading it for yourself. So that's a building block. So you read it, so you, you hear it, and then the next block you read it. So Psalms 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Never under, underestimate the wonders that will come to you as a result of reading the scriptures. Now, the next building block is studying. Studying is another way to consume scriptures. Um, there's a difference between hearing, reading, and studying. We talked about that. Uh, the, this method involves the use of fingers and engagement of your brain. So there's, a, there's an evangelist that I read a quote from. His name is Dawson Trotman. And he said, thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips to the fingertips. Hmm. Because when you write it, you can take time to process. I have learned that a lot in this journey I'm on right now. The season of life is all about journaling for me and making sure that the thoughts that I have, I, they come out of my lips and I can write them and they help me process the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, I liked that quote a lot. Um, for me, uh, those the thoughts regarding struggles, loss, disappointment, discouragement, and life become clearer and unscrambled. Um, Sir Francis Bacon, not to be confused with the founder of Bacon, um, <laughs> stated, reading make it the full man, conference make it a ready man, and writing make it an exact man. So, writing is important. It helps you. Um, now, we go to memorizing. Memorizing is the next building block. I'm not asking you to memorize scripture today, but all you have to do is one verse at a time. That's all. That's the, that's it one at a time because when you're in the when you're in the heat of the moment and you're studying God's word you can't help but want to memorize that verse true and you're like oh I'm going to take that with me and then that's something you can always have because we won't know the day that these bibles will not be allowed in the United true. States of America mm -hmm. right that's right so what are you going to do mm -hmm. when that goes away mm -hmm. i know i'm i'm scared yeah um okay meditating that's the last building block the final way we will come to take in scripture is to meditate it. And Psalms 119.15 states, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. Taking time to reflect on God's word and let it soak into your hearts and meditate on it. It helps us go, it helps us go to sleep at night and it's a wonderful way to wake up in the morning. Meditating on God's word. So we're going to get dive into, I'm going to check my time, I'm going to be fast, but I'm, I, I really want to walk through all of this with y'all. So reading the ingredients, we're going to talk through obs, uh, the, the form of observation. So what is that? To inspect or take note of scripture, to look carefully with attention to detail, observation answers the question, what does the Bible say? It's not answering the question at this point. You're not adding something through your imagination. You're simply reading words on the page. Did y'all know? That the FedEx truck, the X on the truck is an arrow. Ah, oh, you weren't supposed to know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know. For a while. But now you know it. Right? So now you'll look at it. 
But even better, so on Hamilton, you'll like, you might like this one, Sister Lisa. On Hamilton, you better not know it. On <laughs> Hamilton Road, there is a, uh, the golf course, right? Mm -hmm. What's the name of the golf course? Uh, Prairie Vista mm -hmm. Golf Course. And um, there's a subdivision on the opposite side of the golf course where the main building is, and if you're looking at this side of it. Mm -hmm. And in that before you get into that one little dirt road that goes behind into this, this hidden subdivision, there's a cross. Yeah, there's a cross. And sadly, I am not an observer. I am not that by nature. And I missed the cross. And one day, I was in the, I was just, we, we tend to listen to music or, or sit in silence. And we were, it was, I think, one of our silent moments. And Layla's like, Mom, did you know there's a cross over there? And I was like, what? Like, what cross? She's like, yeah, yeah, there's a cross right there. Like, I had to go into the parking lot because I didn't want to miss this. I'm like, what are you looking at? I don't see a cross. Surely not, there's a cross. There is a cross. We miss things when we aren't observing. And um, so I put an observation test there, and I put it in your notes, and we can walk through it just briefly. But think about ways in how you can hone into this skill. Because it's a skill. How can you make this skill better? Because if you can make, if you can help this skill in your, in your everyday life, if you make it part of your everyday life, Think about what it'll do when you read the scriptures. So, um, I know the first one. So, think of your spouse or good friends. What exactly was the person wearing when you uh, when you most recently spent time with him or her? I don't know. Like, have clothes. you been observing that? <laughs> right? That You hope they're wearing clothes because you wouldn't pay attention. Um, how many miles are on your car's odometer today? I don't know. And I wrote this. <laughs> What's the speed limit out here? Okay, so she's an observer. So there are, and that's okay, because there are people that observe better than you do. You know what you should do, or what I will do. I would do. I kind of go. See if they rub off on me a little bit. <laughs> like, what are you thinking of right now? Like, yeah. how do you, where does your brain go? What does your brain tell you? Because I'm not, I am not an observer. And I have to make myself one. To right. say you're, that's right. you're more of a bubbly, outgoing talker. Yeah, yeah. People that are quiet are observers. Right, and it does. It does tend to be part of your personality. And I get that, and that's true. But that does not mean, that is not an excuse <laughs> to not observe. We need to be observant because what happens even in our own church services, people that come into our come into our church. And I one of the things I do is I text people around me and I'm like, what is their name? I need it written down because I'm a visual person and I need to say it. And I will say it, say it, say it, say it. And I have a notepad of who comes in and I'm like, okay, this person was wearing this at that time. I have to make myself do that because if I don't, I miss them. I miss that, and I disconnect, and I feel so bad because I remember, it's not until it happens to you that you can't really relate, though, sometimes. Mm -hmm. I remember walking in to a big church and not being greeted. 3,500 people, and we're a church of, I don't know how many, 200 maybe-ish. Like, we can be a lot better in, for ourselves, for our children, for our marriages, for our body of Christ. So, I put all of this there 
So this will help you just be more engaged and connected and see. So another way to observe scripture, and it's a, I was going to have a hand, but I got, didn't have a hand, but I'll have my hand. So we see emphasis, so emphasize words, is the amount of space being used to discuss and explain it. We see that in parables, right? Why does the Lord speak, why does Jesus speak to us in parables? In, in stories we can understand. Right. Yeah. Repeated, repeated <coughs> phrases, repeated words. Why? Why, does, why, does, why? why did the writer, why did God through the writer put that there? Related ideas in scripture that are closely connected. What's relate? What's the relationship between these scriptures? Why are they so close? Jessica, yeah. what did you mean by uh, emphasize? Emphasis. So the amount of space, the like amount of space, space. Yeah, that that is being taken up for that word for that specific like point. Topic. Point. Okay. Yes, topic. Mm -hmm. um, and then alike. Ideas sometimes introduced with words that that are that are like as a lot of as that means that they're alike. If you see, um, they they're followed by a so, as mm -hmm. so that's important. Those words are important. You know, fours when you see a four in scripture, it's a why. I wish I had a scripture. Philip's better at this part than I am because of all the his brain works better than I do, but. The fours in scripture, um, they mean the why. Why is this? Because For this reason, or whatever the case may be. Um, and then lastly, unlike. Opposites of sharp contrast between the list of attributes. So there's a list of all of these points that are good, and then there's a list of all of these points that are bad. Why? Why did the Lord put that there? So the key to all of this is observation. Just a healthy, wholesome cooking begins with a careful consideration of the ingredients. Effective Bible study starts with a careful observation. So next, we move into understanding the ingredients, and that's the interpretation. And that gets a little bit tricky, and that's for each and every one kind of to experiment with and understand what the Lord is trying to tell you. But also, there are some do's and don'ts. So interpretation is learning what the Bible means. Each verse of scripture means something, and when one verse is tied together with other verses, there's an even deeper meaning. This is true whether you're reading a novel, a magazine article, an email, a message, or a note from a, a, from a friend. We must embrace this step to grasp the meaning. So it's important to note that interpretation is not imposing your opinions on the Bible. Do not do that. I'm feeling, I'm feeling dark, deep, and gloomy. Oh, I'm going to go read Judges. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, like, don't do that. Right. <laughs> don't do that. That's just a silly example, but you know what I mean. Like, don't, uh, interpretation is drawing out what the text says and what it means. It's what you glean from the Bible itself. Furthermore, interpretation isn't based on the way you feel. <clears throat> Some days we may not feel good at all. Yet we need to still be engaged in the study of scriptures. Right. Emotions or physical well-being may affect the ability to concentrate, but the scriptures always speak for themselves. Right. <clears throat> Let me see here. Uh, correct interpretation isn't based on wanting the text on wanting the text to say what we have in mind. It's learning what it actually means based on what it says. So we should not forget that while we are interpreting scriptures. 
I'm reading this fast because I want to get through it all. But um, we also know that there are barriers when interpreting scriptures. There is the language barrier, right? There is, in the Old Testament, yeah. they wrote it in the Hebrew. I didn't know that until I read Search for Truth. Guilty. <laughs> in the New Testament, it was written in the Greek. Again, I'm telling you, man, go through Search for Truth. It'll, like, bring, it'll just bring everything into, like, just, whew, I don't even know how to, there's not That's a word. A yes. So, once you get that, you can, you can put those tools that we talked about, those dictionaries, all and apply them. Because sometimes it can mean one thing in the word, but it's not what we think it means. It's not what God wanted us to, to how God wanted us to use it. Um, and then the culture barrier. I found this one to be interesting because I'm in that, like I said, I'm in the study of Mary. And um, I was talking to Jessica about the betrothal. Like... Did you know first century betrothal is not the same as 21st century betrothal? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's 100% different, and it was actually beautiful in a way. I tried to make it beautiful, you know. To us, it sounds icky because we're like, I'm going to marry you. I'm not going to go over there. There's no way I'm going to be in with that family. It wasn't like that. It was a little bit different. The setup was different. So I say that because... We need to understand that different cultures are just work operate differently, and we need to be careful when reading word, the scriptures. And yes, they can be applied to today, but there it just it, it's a deeper revelation when you get that foundation of the why's they did that in that time. And then I put it out on your paper. Pay attention to the literary genres. So. The common types of biblical literature, I put them down there so you can have them, is the narrative, is the, the events of scripture, the parables, the stories of Jesus that, te that teach a lesson, poetry, the words of song, such as the book of Psalms, proverbial wisdom of Proverbs, and prophecy, the message of God given through his spokespeople. All right, so moving into the correlation. We're going to compare some flavors here. So... Correlation is the comparing one scripture with other scriptures. Precept upon precept and line upon line. In this step, it's focusing on the question, what does the Bible say elsewhere about this topic? Did you know the Bible is, you can use it from end to end? Right. <laughs> yeah, you can. And it all is associated with one another. Like, it's intended that way. But you have to be careful because it's rightly dividing the word of God. You have to write, you have to do both. So no verse in the Bible is isolated. That, sometimes I get in trouble with that because I love scripture and I read a verse and I try to hang on to it. And then I'm like, wait, did I read the whole part of it? And it is not what I thought it meant. <laughs> so I'm like, oh Lord, I got to go back into this whole, I have to backtrack. So don't backtrack like I do, that's extra work. Just go ahead and get a sense of where the scripture is coming from to understand what, what, what the writer was wanting us to understand about that verse. You can keep the verse, but just get a whole, wholesome sense of where it's coming from. So, um, and then this is where, um, again, that big concordance that book I was talking mm -hmm. to you about comes in handy. So the concordance, you can look up any word, any phrase anywhere and you can look it up and see oh wait where was it applied oh i've never seen it there let me go over there and read what's going on over here and then that's how you can kind of have both 
a deeper meaning, a deeper understanding of the whole word of God. So um, let's see. Why is this vital? Um, because as a chef uses utensils in the kitchen, right? He just doesn't cook just to cook. He needs things to help him cook with, right? We need to have these resources to help us cook, to help us dissect the word of God. It is, it is available to us. We should grab a hold of them. We should use them. They're there for the taking. Um, it gives us clear discernment instead of vague opinions, right? As our knowledge of scripture broadens, our understanding deepens. And we get that deep love. I don't just want a shallow love for God. Right. I want a deep love that penetrates, that pierces my heart, that right. I know I can see those roots underneath my heart, just grasp a hold of them. Um, and it helps cultivate a reasonable and balanced faith. We want that, right? Bless you. <laughs> Learning to compare the flavors in cooking takes time. Uh, and it's often accomplished through a lot of experimentation. So correlation of scriptures works the same way. You won't learn how to do it until you actually give it a try. And it's okay to be wrong. It is okay to be wrong. It's not okay to share. Like, you can share it with within your community of people, like your group. Like, I have my close friends I share scriptures with. But I want them to be like, oh, Jessica, I don't think that's right. Like, I need that because if we don't have that, we're going to be sharing things that are probably not meant to be shared in the format that we're sharing them. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to be intentional about getting outside of ourselves and being able to be comfortable in that space of error. Because we are in this world with full of error. Right. And they're comfortable with it. Mm. Why? Why are they comfortable with it and I'm not? You know, I, I implore you to come to me and just be like, Jessica, I read this, and I'm like, I'm going to be like, okay, first of all, I don't know where that came from, but let's go dissect it together. Let's go see what, what, what you're reading. And then I, you may teach me something I don't know. And how wonderful is that when we can share things in that format, you know, share things that we're learning. And, you know, that's another, that's another thing I really appreciate about um, my mother-in-law um, is she's always sharing. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, Jessica, let me show you what I read today. Mm -hmm. Let me show you how God is uh, using me in this format, how I'm applying this. And I'm like, I don't think I have the guts to do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's because she just has all of it in here, and she just wants right. to share what she has. So the last step, and this is where I'm getting to, is the application. This is the most, this is the, the biggest step of all, is allow the truths of God to uh, God's word to grip us in areas that need attention to call us to action. This is the crowning benefit of Bible study. In this last step, we are asking ourselves, what does the Bible mean for me personally or for, or for someone else sometimes? I like to just think of it for me because I don't want to point fingers. I'm not that person. I'm like, what is it telling me? Here we consider how the scriptures relate to where we worked or go to school, how we get along with difficult people, how to deal with challenges in a marriage with children or with parents. With correlation, it reali it's the realization that the Bible says, it's, it's realizing what the Bible says somewhere else about the topic. Application is putting the Bible to use every day in life. In your decisions, in your struggles, in your finances, your relationships with your family, your home, your gains, your losses, your leadership, your forgiveness. I mean, the list goes on and on. We can't come all this way and then fail to apply this to our lives application of this truth is where we find conviction 
direction, correction, and encouragement for our spiritual growth. It is the finishing touch. So why is it important? Because I always need to know why. We need to practice what we say we believe. Amen. I can't just walk around in a skirt and long hair. <laughs> it's more than that. It is more that this will attract them. But once we get to that topic of, so why do you believe what you believe? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lordy, I have been in conversations where I have stuck my foot in my mouth. And I told myself I never want to be there ever again. Because I know, I know I love, I know I love the Lord. Mm-hmm. I truly do. And I know that the day is coming where my, t- my faith is going to be tried and tested. I know that. But if I am not doing my due diligence and sharing his word the way he wants it to be shared, the way it's, it's commanded for us to be shared, I have to know what to say when I get before the Lord. And, and he says, well, he, he shows me this account. And he right. says, well, what did you do? Did you just let it happen? Or did you actually do something about it? I can't. I, can't, I just... I, I can't get there anymore. I, I can't be there anymore in that in that space, um, especially when death is so real in my life right now. Yes. You know. Yes. So, ugh, one of the last things that helps us too is it enables us to operate our lives in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to share this story because um, I thought it was so good and it was so relatable to so many of you today. So let's imagine that I'm the CEO of a large corporation and you are an employee of this company. You're an employee of mine. My responsibilities include travel and at one point I'm scheduled to make a lengthy tour of, uh, of the countries. I tell you that while I'm gone, I expect you to faithfully carry on with your work. Before I leave, I gather together all the employees who are part of the corporation and say, look, while I'm gone, I'm going to send you a, at least one email every week that explains what I want done while I'm away. I don't need to be here because you're, you're, you're able to follow these instructions. Everybody understands and they agree. While I'm gone, I faithfully write an email, a weekly email, to you and the rest of the company stating what I expect and what you are to do in my absence. I make it clear. There is no confusion. This a Time passes and each week you receive my instructions. Finally, my tri- my, I come home. My trip comes to an end. When I return, I drive up to the building and immediately notice that grass is growing in the cracks of the parking lot. I'm like, huh, what's going on? A lot of trash is blowing around the grounds. I walk in the front door, and the receptionist is leaning back in a chair, doing her nails, watching a show on her laptop. Some employees who are into uh, some employees are into fantasy football, and they're betting on the football games, talking about which which team won last week and which team is likely to win this weekend. I look back toward your office and notice that you and several other employees are playing video games. Fancy. You're laughing it up and having a good time. Hold it. I say, what's going on here? Welcome back, you respond. It's great to have you back. Didn't you get my emails? Yes, we did, one employee responds. In fact, we got every single one. You're a great writer. We were fascinated by the messages you sent. In fact, we had various people meet in small groups to study your emails. We were especially interested in your words regarding the future because we get excited thinking about future things. In fact, we have a group that, is, that has memorized some of the most well-written lines from your emails. <laughs> we really enjoyed what you sent us. I stare at the group, shaking my head, and then I say, 
I have a question to ask all of you. What did you do about the things I wrote? Suddenly, everyone gets a blank look on their faces. Do, you ask? We didn't do anything about them. We were faithful to read and study them and even memorize some of them. That doesn't matter. I sent you those messages so you would carry out the instructions in my absence. What was missing? Application. This illustrates how we as followers of Christ often treat the scriptures God has given us. We overlook application and if we simply make a study of what he wrote but don't follow through on the responsibilities he has assigned us, these consequences are tragic. Yes. And we cannot live in those tragic consequences. So what happens when we don't apply the word? Doctrine becomes dusty, dry, and lifeless. We substitute rationalization for repentance. We think emotional experiences replaces a, volat a volatational decision. And the list goes on and on. So tips for applying yourself? I have a little bit. Think. Reflect on what is going on in your life. You may be worried about something or thinking through tough decisions. Acknowledge. Identify any personal trouble spot in your life. Open up about any sin you are harboring. Ask. Bring up specific questions as you, as you invite the Lord to probe within. And the key word is specific. And I listed out some that I thought were really good. Pursue. Seek out paths that lead you to wholeness and spiritual health. Psalms 139.24 states, Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Keyword, point out anything in me that offends you. We need to be intentional about finding ways to change the direction of our lives. Find someone who can hold you accountable. I need accountability buddies. I don't know about you. Sometimes I... And it's so into my own life that I, I, don't, I don't consider uh, anyone watching me, watching what I'm doing. So the weeks slip by, the months slip by, and then it's not until friends probe me and they're like, are you okay? What's going on? And then that's when that accountability buddy comes in. But our friends aren't going to get us to heaven. Right. That's right. <laughs> We can't rely on our friends to be like, hey, you didn't text me today. I'm not praying today. I'm not studying the word of God today. I can't rely on that. That is not the account that I want to present to the Lord. Find, uh, it is impossible to live a fully mature Christian life in isolation. We're meant to work alongside others and mature in community. That's why close relationships are absolutely vital. And I take a step in saying a close relationship in that who also is the same like in your walk in faith. Not just someone who is, um, doesn't believe the same as you do. Because chances are there could be some, um, just some harm mm -hmm. than good. So now that you've looked at the importance, the importance of adding the right spaces to create the perfect taste, it's time to move into the kitchen and try for yourself. We get to cook. This, the application of scripture is a result of your observations, interpretations, and correlations. Ask God to search your heart and reveal what needs attention. From now on, whenever he convicts you, or some, or convicts you of something from the word, 
that addresses a sin or an issue in your life that needs to be confessed or forgiven and or and forgiven, pause right there and deal with it. Just go ahead and deal with it. Confess your sin to our Heavenly Father. He is the God of all grace, and He will hear you and cleanse you. Because when you confess it and get rid of it right then and there, you can move on with your life and keep pressing on. Because it's when we harbor those sins, when we continue, it's just one of those, that crack in that foundation. That crack. What happens? you got to pay a lot of money to get it fixed. The Lord God is there every step of the way. We don't have to pay a lot of money to get it fixed. We can just fix it. He fixes it. It's so important that those who present his word to do so with a clean hand and a cleansed heart. You know that? I, I, that convicts me sometimes because I may be in a rush and I am not right with the Lord. And I and people are right now just in need of a buddy to talk to. And I am not in that right headspace. And oh Lord. Those conversations are hard to have. Afterwards, I'm in a state of repentance, and it should not be that way. <laughs> it, it, just, it needs to be, I have the cart before the horse, and I have to have the horse and then go this way. Um, I say that because I fall in that too. I do. It's hard. But we don't have to stay there. So a few cautions in reading into the text, and what uh, is one of the cautions is reading into the text what it doesn't say. That is the temptation that we all face. Sometimes we read a text and we're like, we think it says this thing, but because we want it to say that. If you, so for instance, here are a few. If you have enough faith, God will heal you, heal you of every disease. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, God helps those who help themselves. This is a common phrase. I've heard that. This phrase isn't even found anywhere in Scripture. Did you know that? In fact, God says he helps the helpless, and that's in Romans 5, 6. Watch out for oversight. When we read the scriptures, we must guard against overlooking important words. This is a, this is a, a good one because I'm like, man, it wasn't until someone said it to me. I'm like, man, I need to really read the words. Some people think 1 Timothy 6, 10 says money is the root of all evil. However, the Bible clearly states the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. If we overlook these parts, we'll twist the intended meaning. So, becoming overly dogmatic and super confident. This we is like red flags all around. It's amazing how often this happens when people begin to grow in their knowledge of the Bible. Because you will grow. And people will notice. We need to stay teachable and remain gracious regardless of our expanding knowledge of the word. It doesn't matter how long you've been reading, teaching, studying the scriptures. You are never the final authority is, is another one. In fact, we're all under the authority of the Word of God. The book that speaks to everyone with its command also speaks to the teacher or preacher. There is no place for arrogance. The knowledge of God can make us feel important, but as the Word states in 1 Corinthians, knowledge puffs up. However, knowledge mixed with genuine understanding will keep us humble. Uh, there's a statement that says, um, an education is best described as going from an unconscious to a conscious awareness of your ignorance. Meaning, the more educated we become, the more we realize the vast amount of information we don't know. And if you don't dig into the word, that is for sure. The more I dig, the more I realize, oh Lord, I don't know you. <laughs> and isn't that wonderful that we can have a book that will last us a lifetime? Yes. It'll never 
I mean, you'll go, I, I've gone to notes I wrote five, six years ago, and I'm like, well, I have such a deeper meaning of that now. It's beautiful. So I leave you with the last bit. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. It says, but my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing, writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So ultimately, do not take my notes and get overwhelmed. Just at the end of the day, fear the Lord. Love the Lord. Follow his commandments. Do what he asks you to do. And just be okay with when you get to that day and giving an account. And he says, what did you do with my word? And be okay with how you felt, how, how you managed it. You know, God, God is good. And he, he is good in all the ways. And, and ultimately, learning is truly mastered when we can explain what we've learned to someone else. Yeah. Find a family member, a colleague, or a close friend who may be interested in what you're learning about the Bible. Tell this person why you become excited about studying the scriptures and why the Bible has become so important to you. Because when people have begun to notice how excited you are, they will be inspired. And when you are truly living, breathing, and eating the word of God, it becomes a part of who you are, and you cannot help but spread and share the love God has poured into you. And I left you with that last verse. And you can all see it there. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must be clothed, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And we'll end in prayer. Lord. I thank you so much for what you're showing us today. I thank you that you've given me this, Lord, and I am, am doing my best to bring this to my friends here that are willing to listen, that are eager to get study, get started studying God. I'm thankful that you've given me such knowledge, but Lord, I give it back to you. Lord, I give it to them. This is this is all for you. You have all you, you taught me so much, God. So much wisdom is in your the beauty of your words and how you've been alive into my path and lived into my people. How you all your word is forever. It is already settled in heaven, God. Strengthen us in our walk with you. Help us to continue to strive, to learn, to gain knowledge through you, God, and to ultimately share what we've learned with others, Lord. All of this, I give it, I put it in your precious name.